Good morning, Joy Church. How you guys doing today? Oh man, good to see you guys. Everybody's looking nice, looking handsome. If you're a if you're a masculine man, you're looking handsome and rugged. If you're a lovely lady, you're looking beautiful. I didn't get as many laughs as first service, but uh, we'll keep working on it. Well, I'm so excited. It's a special day today. Today's Mother's Day. So let's thank all the moms. Thank all the future moms, the spiritual moms, and we have a gift for you. We're here to celebrate you today. We thank you for all that you do. And uh, like many men, I was born of a woman. And uh, okay, that's enough on that one. Well, we're excited to celebrate moms today. And uh, if you haven't been here before, I want to introduce myself. My name is Jake. I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Bethany, at Joy Church. And we just want to give you our warmest welcome. Uh, you are in a place that is not perfect. Uh, there will always be people that will hurt your feelings. Uh, I will say things to offend you. And uh, what you can absolutely count on is that this is a real place, though, uh, a place for imperfect people. So if you're perfect, this isn't the church for you. If you're looking for a perfect church with absolutely no problems, you, you got to keep looking. Uh, but if you're looking for a place where you're going to be loved, this is like cheers. Everybody knows your name, right? So uh, uh, this is the place for you. And I'm just really glad you're here. Thank you for taking that step to come here today. Uh, if you're a mom and you have kids, it's like, it's like fighting a, a, a war to get your kids up on Sunday mornings to church. So give the moms a hand for getting their kids to church on Sunday. Really good. Well, I'm excited that today we're continuing in a new series that we've been in called God Goggles, where we're exploring what it would look like to look through God's eyes, to see the world around us, to see ourselves, to see other people even through God's eyes. And it says in Isaiah chapter 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God thinks differently. God sees differently at a higher level than we do. Is that right? And aren't you glad that God sees differently than you do? Because as human beings, we're biased, we're selfish, we have our own agenda. We, we tend to, to, to think like a certain group of people and uh, we think in a certain way, shaped by our experiences. And so we don't always have the full picture. How many of you know what happens when you make assumptions? It makes a, okay, we're going to leave that, leave off there, but we don't see correctly. And so one of the things that we want to do is be transformed in how we see the world and just get a glimpse. It's transformative even just to get a glimpse of the world through God's eyes. And today, as we talk about this, we're going to talk about seeing other people through God's eyes. And I think it's so, uh, it's so appropriate that today is Mother's Day because mothers, specifically moms, you know, we use the word moms, they're a lot like God and moms say, amen. amen. Because moms always see us at our best. Like moms are really good at this skill of seeing other people, not for how bad they are, or how weird they look or how ugly they are, how fat they are, or whatever it may be. Like moms see us at our best, even when we're at our worst. And they're like God in this level. And uh, I, I love this fact about moms. There's really nobody better than moms at this. Moms love their kids no matter what. Have you guys ever heard of the, the phrase, you have a face only a mother could love? <laughs> yeah, how many of you know someone like that? <laughs> how many of you are someone like that? Okay, as a person with a face who only a mother could love, I appreciate my mom uh, loving me even at my worst, loving me at my best. And moms, they have all these creative phrases. Like my mom has this toolkit. She can just pull these phrases out of to, to turn a negative into a positive. Like moms are so good at this. Moms always see the potential. You're so handsome, honey. You look, you look beautiful. Let me 
let me get that off your face real quick, you know. Moms always see your potential. And they've got these phrases. Like for me, growing up as a uh, kid, you know, I, had, I went through that awkward phase that many of us go through between 13 and 30. Just that phase where you're just, you know, you're growing into your body. You know what I mean? You, you're going through. And my mom had these phrases that she would use because I was a little on the heavier side. You know, I, I grew, I kind of grew wider before I grew taller. Anybody else have that experience? For me, it was until I was like, 29 or 30 or 31. I can't remember, but I was in my 30s when I started to grow taller. But uh, <laughs> so it wasn't just a phase, honestly. But my mom, she always really had phrases that she would use to try to help me process. I'd be like, mom, I, I look fat. You know, here I am with my bowl cut in the 90s wearing no fear, like a poser skateboarder, snowboarder, you know, and I'm like, I feel fat. I look fat. And mom's like, no, baby, no, you don't, you don't look fat. Honey, you're husky. How many of you know the word husky doesn't make you feel better, <laughs> right? You know, husbands, we hear those dreaded words. Do these jeans make my butt look, look fat, you know? No, dear, they make you look husky. Don't say it, guys. Come on. <laughs> For the love of all things holy, don't even step into that trap, right? Like, nobody wants to hear husky. That's not good. We don't like huskies. Is this true here in Eugene? I mean, we just, we don't like them. And uh, my mom would say things like, you're husky. You know, moms also have these other phrases like, my mom would say, no, you're not fat. You're big boned. Sure, mom. My stomach is, is protuberating like this because, because my bones are big. You don't have a stomach bone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not my rib cage doesn't like shrink down and stick out. You know what I mean? You know, oh, I, I'm 50 pounds overweight. It's my femurs. I, got my, I have bigger femurs than the average person. My, the femurs, mine are metal. They're really heavy. No, like big bone, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? But moms are always are trying to make you feel good, right? And so moms use these phrases like, this one I really like, like you're growing into your body. What does that even mean? Here I am in, in high school, like, you know, six feet tall and 270 pounds, and I'm not growing into my body, I'm growing over my body. <laughs> my cup runneth over, <laughs> you know? Like I am... This isn't growing into your body, mom, but moms, they see the potential. How many of you are glad that moms are like this? They, that moms and, and God are actually on the same page because God looks at us and he, he doesn't see us at our worst. He sees us at our best. He sees your potential. He sees this person that he made in his own image. He sees this person that he sees your destiny and the beautiful life that he has planned for you. And even in spite of the sin and the shame and the mistakes of your own mistakes and the, and the hurts and the words of other people and the distortion and the the discouragement and all the, 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 the scars and the skid marks and everything that you have, God looks at you and he looks at you with eyes of love and he, and he sees you at your best. Like God has a different vision of people, just like moms do. Moms can see other people like God sees them. And as we get into this message today, I just want to talk about us putting on God goggles to see other people like God sees them. I've said this phrase before, but I, I think it's appropriate today that to say this, that God loves the people you hate, which is good news because some people hate you. And how many of you know, whether you're a Republican, don't identify yourself. Whether you're a Democrat, don't raise your hand. Like, don't tell anybody. Or you're a Green Party, you can identify yourself. You don't matter. We don't care. It's not offensive, right? <laughs> people are like, I'm this. We're like, your thing doesn't move the needle. So we're fine with it, right? But you guys can laugh. It's okay. People are a little bit nervous about this message. Don't worry. It'll be okay. I promise. Whether you're politically left or politically right or politically unmeaningful. 
<laughs> Somebody hates you. How many of you know that if you tell someone, well, I voted for him. What? Well, I voted for her. What? And it doesn't matter. You could be the most awesome person, but the minute you step into a certain political thing or the minute you step into in sports, people will hate you for what side you support. I mean, at some level of life, somebody's gonna hate your guts. Somebody's gonna, gonna find fault with you. If you step out to do something good for the kingdom of God and move forward in spiritual things, somebody's gonna hate you. If you, if you step forward uh, in business, or in your career and begin to walk in the destiny God's called you to do in that aspect of life, somebody's gonna criticize you. Somebody's gonna hate you, right? But you know, the thing is, God loves the people that you hate, which is great news because somebody hates you. God loves all of us. God sees the potential and the beauty in all of us. And he wants to open our eyes to see other people, how he sees them. You know, the, the reality is sometimes though in life, people really stink. You agree with me on this? Like sometimes people really stink. Like just a couple of examples, and I won't go too intense on this or spend too much time, but we live off of River Road. And so almost every day we have to get onto the Beltline to go uh, east into Eugene, into Springfield. And so um, we, we get on the on-ramp there at River Road onto the Beltline. And there's just enough room for people who are the worst human beings on this planet to pass you on the freeway on-ramp. Now, how many of you know, like you're getting on the freeway, we're all gonna get on the same freeway. Everyone will get there within 50 milliseconds at the same time. And yet there's always that person who's like right on your tail, right? And then they try to get around you and people literally pass me on the on-ramp. And I'm just telling you, there's a special level of anger that comes up in my spirit. When somebody tries to, I'm like, why are you endangering every single person? Why are you trying to pass me on the on-ramp so you will get stuck in traffic two seconds before me? Like, it doesn't matter. And yet somebody's always like, you know, right there, like, okay, go speed racer. What are we doing here? Is this Mad Max? Like, what are we... What are we doing here? We're just all going to work right now, man. Just like, Richard, stop. Just wait in line. How many of you know? This is going on. It's like road rally. What's happening? Sometimes people really stink. And I, and, and I have to admit, sometimes I'm like, I just hope they drive right off that bridge, you know, and just. <laughs> no, I don't think that. I pray for people when I see them on the freeway. I'm like, Jesus, love them so much. <laughs> How about people who double park? You know what I'm talking about? So you pull into like Trader Joe's, TJ's, great groceries, horrible parking lot. You know, you never get a spot. And then somebody's like, I have a Lexus. So I parked double park, park mine right over the line. I'm like, well, I have a Ford Taurus, 2005. <laughs> I should double park that bad boy. <laughs> um, somebody actually decided to do something about the people that double park. You want to go ahead and show this picture? I love it. <laughs> so this, <laughs> have you seen this video on the internet? This guy, he double parked. You can see him parked right over the line and these two Jeeps decided to teach him a lesson. And so you, you can't see it totally, but they have these massive tires. So they're completely blocking his doors. And this guy gets really mad. He actually, in the video, he kicks the Jeep tires, but like so weakly. You know what I mean? He doesn't even rock the Jeep. It's just like, dink, you know? And, uh, and he ends up having to climb through his, his trunk to get in his car. It's really funny. I'm glad these people stepped up and, and avenged, Right? justice. But like sometimes people really stink, you know, passing on the freeway on ramp or double parking in the parking lot. And then I'll tell you one last story about this. Um, I had some friends uh, when I was growing up. How many of you had friends growing up, right? Quote, unquote. One night we were having a meeting at my parents' house and some friends I went to church with, they were a couple years older than me. 
and uh, we decided we were going to go climb a tree. Those of you guys know, normally I'm really rugged and outdoorsy. So of course I normally would be like first one up the tree, but you know, in that moment I wanted to give them some glory. So they, they climb up the tree first and I'm kind of like, Hey guys, wait for me, you know, and I'm climbing up the tree and I was husky, you know, so it was a little <laughs> tough to, to get up there, you know, trying to grab a hold of the, uh, the branch. And uh, anyways, I finally get up in the tree and then it started to rain. The, the problem was there was no clouds in the sky. It wasn't a rainy day. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. My friends decided that it would be funny to moisturize me. And, uh, and so I said, you know, guys, are you peeing on me? You know, and I hear this laughter coming from the upper portion of the tree. Now, what they didn't realize is the person closest to the bottom of the tree is also closest to the chainsaw. So, no, I'm kidding. I didn't do anything like that. <laughs> Just thoughts, right? Later in life, like, what should I have done in that moment? And uh, in this moment, I'm getting peed on by my so-called friends. And it's those moments in life when it hits you, people stink sometimes. Now, we're laughing about these kind of moments, these, these types of things of people driving the wrong way, double parking, just annoying us or doing something rude. But the reality is all of us know that actually people stink more than this in, in life. There's, there's abuse, there's neglect, there's hurtful words, there's, you know, spout, a, a husband or wife abandoning another one. I mean, there's all kinds of hurtful and painful things that happen. And this is where Jesus steps into our story as human beings, kind of in our mess, and where Christianity really comes and shines in the darkness because every other world religion is really about man or, or a person interacting with the divine and finding some sort of fulfillment or working their way towards earning the favor of God. But the Christian faith is very different. It's a lot more visceral and tangible and gritty and dirty and kind of like down in the, the, the muck because Jesus leaves heaven. He comes down to our planet and he establishes this brand new way of relationship with God, which does not exclude relationship with other people. And, and Christianity is not just a relationship with you and God. In fact, to be a Christian, you really can't just be you and God. Christianity is a relationship between you and God and other people. You know, as a father, this has become much more clear to me than it was previously of how much my wife and I love and believe in and, 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 and just would die for our kids. We love them to death. And our kids are a work in progress. But one of the things that breaks my heart is when my children are at war with one another. You know, we've been having like World War Three, Four, Five, Six on a daily basis right now. All of them are self-actualizing. You know, all of our children are like really emoting themselves. And so every one of our kids is a leader. They're all strong-minded. They're all, all going to do incredible things. They're not going to be weaklings or uh, kind of like, you know, non-starters in life. I, I really see the potential and value in all three of them. Unfortunately, as children, they're like uncontrollable fire hydrants right now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so they, 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 they butt heads, you know what I mean? And we hear, mom, dad, Penny did this, Evie did this, Jackie did this. And they all come down, you know, I'm like, kids. People in our neighborhood must think we're insane. You know, kids come downstairs. They all come down, all three, and they line up in order, like tall, middle, you know, shortest. They do like the penitent thing, you know. It's like Evie does the best face when she's like, no, she's guilty. You know, it's, it's like, how can you, how can you fault me? And uh, yesterday I had this, I had him line up and I said, guys, listen, 
you're acting like beasts. And they're like, what? I'm like, you're acting like animals. I said, you're not animals, you're people, you're human beings, you have feelings, you have value. Like these relationships you have with your brother and sister, like they matter. And, and you need to treat each other with kindness and respect. I said, the only thing that matters in our house is that you do whatever I say whenever I want you to. <laughs> no, I said, the only thing that matters is that you guys obey mom and I when we're telling you something and that you just are kind and you love each other. I said, other than that, pretty much everything's kind of up for grabs, right? Like we want obedience and we want love. And because and, it's for their good, right? We're trying to raise them to be the people God's intended them to be. And, but I'm trying to express my heart for them, like how much I love them. I want them to love each other. And this is the heart of God for us as people that on this planet where we're all broken and marred and hurt by sin, that hurt people, hurt people. And, and there's all kinds of opportunities for us to get really bent out of shape and angry and be very jaded and cynical about the world. But God wants to put his goggles on our eyes and let us see through his eyes and see the beauty and the worth and the potential of every person who's made in the image of God, who has a destiny and who is someone that is worth our time and our attention and our affection. And so Christianity is not just a relationship between us and God. It's a relationship between you and God and other people. And Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he talks about this in Matthew 5. He says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And he goes on, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I know that word perfect is really scary, and we'll come back to that in a second. But let me just make a few comments about this passage. So here's Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching people. And we are very familiar with the concept of loving our enemies because we are all byproducts of a Judeo-Christian worldview that whether you're a Christian here today or a follower of Jesus or not, our society and all of Western society for the last thousand years and beyond, 2000 years has been shaped by uh, this, this cultural moment, this moment of Jesus stepping into history and ushering in this new perspective. But at this time when Jesus gives this concept, it is very foreign to the people that are hearing it because they are Jewish people. They, they, they believe they are God's one true family. And that basically, you know, their, their Messiah is going to come and he's going to destroy all their enemies and they're going to get back to their, their cosmic club, you know, their club of, of Israel. And so here's Jesus stepping in a situation. And this is a nation that's actively occupied by a pagan nation called Rome. And Jesus is saying, hey, you've heard it said, like, in fact, the law said that you should love your neighbors, hate your enemies. But he's saying, but I say to you, I'm turning it upside down. Actually, we need to expand who's love. We need to actually love our enemies, not just our friends, not just our neighbors. We need to love the unlovely. We need to love the people of a different political persuasion. We need to love people that don't agree with our morals. We need to love people who even want to hurt us. We need to love them. We need to love our enemies. And he says, here's the thing. Anybody, any old person in the natural can love their friends, but it takes a true child of God to love an enemy. It takes a person who truly is born again, who is not just living this world, this natural life, but is actually connected with God. It's the mark of that parentage that you belong to God, that your love would actually extend out to even the people that hate you, that you would be able to love your enemies. Now, Jesus uses this word perfect, and it's a scary word. 
we, we hear the word perfect and we think about like playing golf and scoring 18, you know? We, we hear the word perfect and we think about getting 100 out of 100 on a test, but that's actually not the sense of the word here. The word perfect as it's being used here in the original language actually indicates uh, something that has been on a journey that is now completed, something that has been in process that now is done. So you've taken all the steps from the beginning to the very end, and now your journey is at an end. It is concluded. It is perfect, right? It's finished. It's integrated. And what, what, what Jesus is indicating here is that God is whole. He's perfect. His love is not immature. It is not exclusive to, to love the people that love him. He loves everybody, even the people that are anti-God. He loves them. You know, whether you are an atheist and you don't believe in God or whether you hate God actively or whatever kind of phase you find yourself in, you are loved by God and it doesn't matter. You could walk out of here and hate this church, hate this message, hate Jesus. You could spit at him. You could mock him. You could make fun of him. You could lie about him. You can do anything that you can think of, but you can't take away the love of God because God is complete. He's perfect. He's, he's integrated. His love is, is fully realized. And what Jesus is saying is that when you follow this new mindset, when you walk with me, you've got to be perfect like this. God wants to lead you on this journey where your love grows in its capacity that you can actually love the unlovely. You can actually love your enemies. That's what Jesus is saying when he talks about being perfect. Because just loving people that are like us, that vote like us, that look like us, the same skin color, the same socioeconomic class, just, lo just loving the people that love us back or that love us first, that's very natural, that's very normal, but it takes the supernatural power of God to love those who are our enemies. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He wants us to see other people through God's eyes and for us to grow into this type of love, to experience this supernatural thing that God has. So how do we, how do, we do this? How do we see other people through God's eyes? Very, very simply, we need to know them. Two words, know them. Why? Because knowledge leads to understanding. Understanding leads to compassion and compassion leads to love. Let me say that again. Knowledge leads to understanding. Understanding leads to compassion and compassion leads to love. How do we start grasping hold of what, what Jesus is telling us to do? This revolutionary idea. Don't just love the people like you. Don't just love the lovely. Love the unlovable. Love your enemies. How do we do this? We, we begin to know people. There's so much power in humanizing, putting a name and a story and a face on someone and actually knowing them. And so there's three practical ways. And I want to share this with you today. Number one, we need to know them by knowing their story, knowing their story. How many of you would agree with me and say, yes, Pastor Jake, when you find out the backstory, it changes everything. One of the things that we do when we're driving on the freeway and I start getting ro uh, road rage, not roid rage, that's a different rage. I don't get that one, but Hemorrhoid rage, yes, not steroid rage. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, road rage, that woke some people up. There was a few people having a lovely nap and now they're awake and very offended. But anyways, road rage, when we're on the freeway, somebody does their little, you know, their little thing and they bypass me on the freeway and I'm like, you're a husky, you know, and I'm mad. And my wife's like, dear, let's be like Jesus, dear. You know, my wife's more Christian than me. And she says, maybe there, and then she fills out a story. She says, maybe there, maybe there's somebody in the hospital. And this person really does need to get by you on the freeway to get to the hospital. I remember when we were having Evie, well, Bethany was having Evie and I was having a panic attack, but when this was happening 
And we got in the car and she was having contractions. I said, I'll get you there in one contraction. And she just put her hand in me and said, no, dear, no. Just drive normal. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm totally normal. Who's normal? I'm normal. We're all normal here. Everything's fine. What? What? What are you looking at? You know, everything's fine. Anyways, <laughs> she says, listen, if you know their story, like maybe there's something going on here beyond what we can observe or see. And how many of you know, when you know there's a story, it changes because you start to understand that person's perspective. If you can walk a mile in their shoes, you can start to ask, why do they do what they do? Why do they think the way that they think? What I found is that we live in a soundbite culture. So right now, somebody gives a 30-minute speech, and what we do is we take 30 seconds out of that speech, we put a headline on it that gives an indication of how we're supposed to feel or believe about that thing, and then all of a sudden we hear the soundbite and we immediately go, well, yeah, see, that's exactly what I thought about that person. That's who they are. And this doesn't just happen to politicians. It happens to people. Every, anybody that's in any kind of public arena, this happens to. But it happens even on social media. It happens in family relationships. It happens with coworkers. Like we live in a soundbite society where we've abandoned getting to know people. Rather, we know people by their label and by one moment out of their life rather than getting to know their story. But when you know someone's story, it changes everything. You begin to understand them. You begin to have compassion and compassion opens up your heart to love. So we need to know people's story. Number two, we need to know their name, not an object, not just a person, not a them, not a they, but their name. What is this person's name? Names are very humanizing. You know, one of the things they did in the, in the Holocaust when 6 million Jews were exterminated and horribly murdered in this tragic crime against humanity was they, they stripped them of the human, the hum, they stripped them of their name and gave them a number. Anytime we start to turn names into numbers, we have a problem, don't we? we that's, that's when things are getting very out of, out of hand. When, when all of a sudden the name is gone and it's a number and it's just, it's just a, a person is treated as a commodity or as an object, we get into problems. And yet, oftentimes we're unwilling to get to know someone's name. You see, there's something about the exchange of a name. Let's just talk about it very practically. To get close enough in the intimacy of conversation to say, what is your name? And I'll tell you my name we've now entered into a different level of relationship than if we are just keeping each other at arm's length. And I see you as your, your politics. I see you as your, your sports team. You know, I see you as the fact that your, your family looks a little bit less affluent than mine or, vi or more affluent. And we have labels for people. It changes when you actually get close enough to, to understand someone's name. And there's power in a name, both just knowing someone's name actually, but also what a name represents. It represents that person's humanity, the fact that they are made in the image of God, they are a human being, they have a name, that name is connected to their story, that name is a part of who that person is. If we learn people's name, it changes things. And then the third thing we need to know is we need to know their pain. Because what we, what we understand is that hurt people hurt people. I guarantee you that the pain that has been inflicted upon you, it has been passed from person to person down from the very fall of man in the beginning of history there's one unending string of revenge and hurt and pain. And when people get hurt, we get broken and broken people break things. Hurt people hurt people. Come on. But as we gain understanding, as we're being matured and developed into the perfection of God, what's happening is we begin to know people's story. We begin to know their name. We begin to know their pain. And all of a sudden, instead of them being a, a, an, a, an unhuman monster, 
It's a person that's in pain and we have empathy for them and compassion and we can actually begin to love them. Come on, when we know their pain. How many of you would have appreciated in life is rather than someone judge you at your very worst when you were operating and acting out of a place of pain that someone would have gotten the t- taken the time to know your story, know your name and understand your pain so they could help you process and deal with the things that you were going through. Come on, and that's the kind of God that we serve that he doesn't just look at us at our very worst. God doesn't look at you and judge you by the very worst moment of your life. God sees your entire life. And this is the beautiful thing about God. God sees people at their best, even when they're at their worst. And that's what it means to look through God goggles. It means seeing people through God's eyes is seeing them at their best, even when they're at their very worst seeing them with eyes of grace, seeing their potential, seeing their worth, seeing their value and recognizing this person, even if they've hurt me, even if they've done these things, that God sees them and that they have worth and value. They are a human. I know their story. I know their name. I know their pain. And now I can actually begin to love this person. And it's in that moment when we transcend the natural and begin to walk as supernatural children of God in the way that we love. Love uh, is, is something that's very hard. You know, I think we, we tend to think of love as just a feeling that happens to you that sort of comes unbidden from you. But love is actually a conscious decision to, to do things the way God does them, even against your own natural inclination. Come on, to look into the world and say, yeah, you're not like me. Yes, you're maybe even against me. You maybe are even an enemy, but because God has loved me, I can take some of that love and I can spread it out into the world around me. This is what God wants to help us to do, to put his his goggles on to see through his eyes and to see people at their very best, even when they're at their very worst. Amen. Let's close our head, close our heads. Let's close our, let's close our eyes, bow our heads. This morning, you might be here and like, Pastor Jake, I, I want to see through God's eyes. But right now, all I see is my own sin, my own shame, my own pain, my own brokenness. All, right now, all I see is the wounds and hurts of other people against me and the scars and skid marks and everything. Right now, I just want to tell you that you're not here by accident, that God brought you here by his Holy Spirit because he loves you so much. Just like the mom in your life, whether it was yours or somebody else's mom, very willing to love you and see you at your best, even at your worst. God sees you at at your very worst moment and he doesn't reject you and he doesn't cast you away. He cries and he made a way for you to come home to him. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sin, to make a way for you to be reconciled with him. And if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Jake, I, I can't be a Christian. Like, I'm not religious, okay? You're, nobody said that following Jesus may, means you have to be religious. Well, Pastor Jake, what am I gonna have to change? I have to change everything about my life. No, you, you can't. You're gonna just open up your life to God and let him do his work inside of you. Well, Pastor Jake, does this mean I have to start doing all this extra stuff? And this, no, it just means you're trusting in Jesus for your salvation, that you're stopping trusting in your own goodness and yourself. And you're saying, I'm gonna believe that he's got me in his hands. I'm gonna put my life in his hands and I'm gonna follow him. If you wanna put your faith in Jesus for the first time today, I just wanna ask you to do something. Just lift up your hand right now where I can see. Awesome. Anybody else in here today? I want to follow Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I want to follow him with my life. I want to trust him. I want him to rescue me and redeem me. I want to walk with him. 
If you lifted up your hand today, just pray this prayer with me. Let's all pray it together. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I've fallen short of your perfection, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior, and I give you my life. Give me the grace to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.